Let's sing it. Let's sing Go Tell It on the Mountain number 205, everyone. I'll give you a moment to get there, and we'll start with Go Tell It on the Mountain. Or in the valleys. It says so. <laughs> Everybody there, 205, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Welcome to Sunday School, one week before Christmas Eve. I'm looking forward to the day together. Go ahead, Valerie. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching or silent flocks by night, behold to Two hundred five, go tell it on the mountain. Well, shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the angel chorus that hailed the Savior's birth. Go tell it on the mountain. was not only miraculous, we'll be looking at miracles again today, but so was what was accomplished in his purpose in coming into this world and his shedding of his blood for the remission of our sins. Let's thank him for that as we begin our Sunday school hour. Father God, I thank you for this time together that you've gathered us in the name of Jesus Christ, who gave his life a ransom for all of us. And also, Heavenly Father, all who have placed faith in him have forgiveness of sin through his shed blood and eternal life. We realize, too, that his burial, his death, burial, and resurrection are proof that he is who he is, who the Bible says he is. Father God, I ask you that we would enjoy Christmas season and uh, not just the decorations, but the message that we have to offer others and that we would be those who go tell it in our community. Also, Heavenly Father, we ask that in our Sunday school class today, you would bless that your word would be 
made clear by oh, the work of the Holy Spirit. And thank you for Alan preparing this lesson. Father God, I ask you that as we consider angels and their part in all of your creation, that we would learn more about you. And in so doing, live in a way that is honoring to you, realizing that we're being observed all the time. Father God, thank you again for this time together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, we'll be getting into picking up where we left off here in just a second. So, as we uh, get ready to dive back into this, I uh, realized, even without some of the other comments that I got, that... um, I kind of flew through that information last week, and uh, I I don't want to be of such a a mindset that we miss things that we need to understand, that we need to know, and yet there's a a whole lot about angelology and and angels that that we need to to look at and to discuss and... and, and, um, Trying to confine it in, in a certain amount of time, I, I probably haven't done the, the best at trying to sort through all of that. So I ask for your uh, prayer for that. In fact, I, at one time, I considered handing out the red light, green light things, you know, <laughs> to you. But then I thought, well, if I give them a yellow light, I wouldn't know whether to slow down or speed up. So, <laughs> so uh, I thought, I'll, I'll just try and and make a conscious effort to slow down a little bit. If, if ever I'm going a little too fast, you can wave at me or jump up and down or scream at me or however you need to do it to get, get me slowed down. I just sometimes get excited and get, get a going ahead of myself. And um, so I would ask that prayer for, for me as well. What I did do, <clears throat> now you had information from last week, an outline. There are two pages and a summary page that should be added to that today that you can pick up over there. So if you don't have those, go ahead. This is what the summary page looks like. And then the, new, the, the other two pages are just in, in outline form that are added to. And we'll not get through all of that today, I'm pretty sure. But we'll have another Sunday in a couple of weeks. Uh, my understanding is we're not having Sunday school next week because of all the activity throughout the day. So um, I hate to tell you this, but you might get another hour of sleep. <laughs> Although some of us don't. We still have an 8 o'clock appointment. So, <laughs> But anyway, no Sunday school next week. But I want to look through this summary statement just to kind of review what we did last week because I did go so fast. <clears throat> All right? So last week we started with the introduction to, the, to this particular study, and this is a study that I have put together myself through multiple um, added helps and stuff like that I kind of gleaned. Here are three of the books that I've used, uh, Ryrie's thing, a book on doctrine, Billy Graham's uh, book on angels. This is the second edition, so if, you don't re- if you've got the first one, you won't recognize it quite the same. And then um, Dr. David Jeremiah's book on angels are, are the three books that I used most. And then I have study Bibles at home, um, probably no less than five different study Bibles 
that give different perspectives as well. And so this is mine. It's, the intent was to go through all of this material in about four or five Sundays. We'll still try and hold to that. It's going to be difficult, but we'll see. <clears throat> all right. So we discussed a little bit about the fascination of the topic of angels in the secular world, <clears throat> how secular movies have been made. <clears throat> we talked about some of the strange actors that, that have tried to portray angels, different things. Uh, we talked about um, some of the commercial offerings, how every time you go into, especially this time of year, stores and different places, you see representations of angels and this statue and that statue. In fact, I noticed the other night at uh, the church in, in Whitefish, they had a lot of these angel statues that were situated all around the, uh, the area up front, the stage area. Um, I, I didn't challenge them on some of the doctrinal correctness of that, but uh, that was not my place. But we'll see as we go through this study that there's some issues with some of those representations that, that they don't fully accurately portray what we actually see in the Bible. Okay. We mentioned briefly that, that there was a lot of eyewitness accounts to the idea of angels. I saw an angel pull this person out of a burning car or, or this or that. And, and we, we wondered just a little bit about the authenticity of those and, and that um, it was kind of hard for us to um, challenge maybe what people have seen themselves and experienced themselves, although it might be right for them to, um, or for us to, to maybe ask them a few questions that help them investigate the legitimacy of what they have seen or experienced, okay? Um, we realize that Second uh, Timothy 3.16 tells us that really the, the whole idea of studying doctrine or is, is got to be based on Scripture. That Scripture is, is that key component that really gives us the opportunity to, uh, to learn. Okay? We had given three warnings out that Dr. David Jeremiah had given us, the idea of making sure that we didn't um, replace God with angels, that we didn't worship angels, and, and those kind of things. So you can find those in the outline. The final point of the introductory section was the mention of the angel of the Lord and the representation of of God in, in an angel form through pre-incarnation uh, manifestation of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about those a little bit later in the study. Okay, So we saw that Jesus spoke about angels. And so we saw the reality from the, from the angel's uh, perspective from Jesus himself speaking about the angels and um, on several occasions. Uh, we saw that. Angels are created beings, we found out. We explored the idea that possibly they were created on the second day of creation. Uh, we said we couldn't, or at least I said I couldn't be dogmatic about that. But they were created, as it indicates in Job, before the foundations of the earth were set. And so, because they, they rejoiced at that, so we saw those kind of things. And we ended that discussion last week that angel spirits are being, are spiritual beings 
They're also referred to as winds or spirits or sometimes as fire or as stars. And so those stars even suggest maybe orbs of fire or very bright light. So that's kind of a summary of last week. If you have your outlines, we're going to be starting with point H. And I don't even have a page number on mine, but three on the bottom. bottom? Okay. The other thing that I would warn you as I was going back through some of this, there are a couple of grammatical errors and they drive me nuts, but I, I had missed them initially. Like instead of of, it says if, or, or instead of then, it says then. And, and, those, and I found those, and I apologize for those even now. But, but there's a few of them in there. Okay? So H says that angels are spiritual beings, but they are limited. So we're building upon that idea that they were spiritual beings. We saw in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 that they were spiritual beings meant to minister to the saints or to the saved. You remember seeing that? Okay? So they are spiritual beings and yet they're limited. And that's one of the important points that we have to recognize. They're spiritual beings, but there are limitations. If we want to look at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36, Matthew 24, 36, many of us would recognize that this is one of Jesus' famous teachings about um, things to come, answering the questions of his disciples. And in chapter 24, verse 36, Jesus says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And so that represents to us that angels don't know everything. Right? So they are not omniscient. Now we'll find that they have probably a greater knowledge than we do about some things and lesser knowledge about other things than we do. For instance, they cannot understand salvation by grace because they haven't fallen. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in the future, but they're not omniscient. Okay? In Revelation chapter 5, And when you talk about angels, you spend a lot of time in Revelation because there's a lot of evidence about angels, especially in the future. And we'll have, we'll have a section that specifically deals on angels today and in the future at another point. But when we look there, we can see in verses 1 through 3 of Revelation chapter 5, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, Sealed with seven seals. And then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. The implication here is that neither the angels in heaven 
or anything on earth or even the ones under the earth probably representing the fallen angels none of them were worthy or strong enough or holy enough we'll find as well to open the scroll who was the only one do we remember Jesus was the only one so they are not omnipotent or they're not all powerful and using that same scripture we also see point four is they were not as holy as God either because they were not worthy to open the seals as well so they're not omniscient they're not omnipotent they are not omnipresent or they're not everywhere at the same time when you go to Daniel chapter 10 and we'll go to Daniel quite often throughout this study because he seemed to have uh, inside tract with the angels <laughs> if you will in Daniel chapter 10 Daniel is, is recording for us a vision of a glorious man, if you will. And he had prayed and he was in mourning for this three weeks and all of a sudden this man comes and stands before him. He describes him that his body was like beryl, his face was like appearance of lightning, and his eyes like torches of fire. This is in verse 6. And his arms and his feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. So this is a representation, an angel that has come to him. And then I want you to look down in verse 12. He said, then he said to me, so this is the angel speaking to Daniel, do not fear Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. Now, he has come because of the words of Daniel, his prayer, but what time, what, what frame did it take? It took three weeks and we'll find if you, if you go follow that study out that there was a battle in heaven going on to keep him from responding to Daniel. But we see that the angel was not present in God to get the answer and at Daniel in the same time. He had to travel. He had to make that journey, if you will. And so he's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at the same time. Those are really attributes of God and not given fully to angels. Okay? Now, A.W. Tozer said this God has delegated power to his creatures but being self-sufficient he cannot relinquish anything of his perfections and power being one of them he has never surrendered the least iota of his power he gives but he does not give away all that he gives remains his own and returns to him again forever we, he must remain what he has forever been, the Lord God omnipotent. So, angels have some extra powers. They're spiritual beings, but they are limited in what they can do and be. Okay? Any questions about that part? How's the pace? Are we doing better? 
Okay, good. Number I, or the letter I in the uh, outline. Visible or invisible? My comment is this. They're mostly invisible, but when necessary or useful or our eyes are opened to see them, they can become visible. Billy Graham is in his book said while angels may become visible by choice our eyes are not constructed to see them ordinarily any more than we can see the dimensions of a nuclear field the structure of atoms or the electricity that flows through copper wiring our ability to sense reality is limited the deer of see here's one of those so if you want to mark out the R and put the F in there the deer of the forest far surpass our human capacity in their keenness of smell. Bats possess a phenomenally sensitive built-in radar system. Some animals can see things in the dark that escape our attention. Swallows and geese possess sophisticated guidance systems that appear to border on the supernatural. So why should we think it's strange if men fail to perceive the evidence of angelic presence. Amen? That kind of sums it up, but we're going to talk a little bit more about it. When they do become visible, we see in Scripture that they sometimes are represented as ordinary men. And there's a list here. We're not going to look up all of them. But Abraham, you remember when he was camped out and the three angels came to him and he recognized them. He wanted to feed them. They had a banquet and and the whole thing. And they were coming to tell him, hey, look, we're going to take care of of, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. We're not going to take this anymore. Now, probably one of those three was Jesus. Okay, because when we get to the idea of Lot or when they went in to rescue Lot out of that, because remember Abraham petitions them, oh, my my nephew's there, right? And if you could find just 10 righteous men is what it wipes down to. Would you save them? Would you spare them? And they couldn't even find 10. Sounds a little bit like our world almost today, right? (laughs) But in Genesis chapter 19, if someone wants to look there for me, Someone like to read that? Genesis 19, 1 through 3. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and Okay. So we see a couple of things here. That one I'm going to indicate a little bit later that angels may eat, but they may not have to. Who's, who's going to pass up a good barbecue, right? <laughs> but the point here was they appeared pretty much like ordinary men. Okay. The same is true for Gideon when he was when he first recognized, and this is probably a representation of Christ as well. But he sees it as an ordinary man to begin with. Uh, Manoah and his wife. Who remembers who Manoah is? Samson's papa, right? Okay. So Samson and his wife both interacted with this angel, Manoah seemed to think it was just a regular man. His wife was a little more on the uptake, which typically happens, right? Her wives are a little bit sharper sometimes when it's perceiving or discerning, or at least mine is. 
She said there's something different about this guy. Okay? But you can read about that in Judges chapter 13. However, what I would warn you about, instead of just blowing off the idea that I got to be, that, that angels may not come to me, what does it say in Hebrews 13 2? Someone have that memorized or can tell me or shall we look there? Hebrews 13 2. Yes, it is. You're right. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained, what? Angels. Okay? So we need to be aware that we may have an angel in our, there might be one sitting here. Now I know some of you think that many of you are angels. I love you. But the scripture warns us to be aware that we might entertain an angel who is in the form of an ordinary man. Okay? We also see in scripture where they they appear in the form of a man, but more than ordinary. Okay? Daniel chapter 10, we were there earlier when when Daniel is describing this man, and he calls him a man, but he describes some attributes that we're not used to seeing, that we would not expect to see in an ordinary man. So in Daniel 10, verses 5 and 6, someone like to read that? Okay, so, so he saw this certain man and he starts describing him and, and I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, this is no ordinary man. There's something special about this man, okay? In, in Matthew chapter 28, verse three, it's describing an angel. It says his countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. This is the representation of the angel at the tomb where it's getting ready to roll the stone away, right? And those men saw this, this personification of, of a man, but, but it was so magnificent. There was something about it that they fell down as if they were dead. They fell down on their faces. And so it was an angel, but there was more to it than that there was something beyond more than the ordinary all right so there's a bunch more scripture references you can use for homework if you want to read some more of those at another time there are opportunities in the scripture that we see where it they appeared to some people but not to others again in daniel chapter 10 where we've been multiple times Daniel is describing what he's seeing, but when he gets down here a little bit, those who were with him did not see that same person, that same angel. So when you study out that chapter, we see that those that were with him were oblivious to it to begin with. Probably my, one of my favorite ones is in Numbers chapter 22. Remember Balak and Balaam? 
and that whole thing, right? And, and so Balak sends for Balaam, and then finally he relents and says, all right, I'll travel to you. And he saddles up his donkey, and, and they start out down the path, and the, and the donkey sees the angel, but Balaam does not. And so he's beating on his donkey, and he's, what's wrong with you, you foolish donkey? And, and I can just imagine, and I wished, wished um, oh, Ike's husband, it's, it's a space. I wish he was here. He can relate to the idea when that horse gets fussy or you're, you, 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 that tries a man's patience. I was trying to rescue a horse the other night. A Palomino horse in the property next to us had, they, they had a, a wire fence inside of their fancy fence along the road and there was about this much space. And that horse had wandered up in there and had been there for days, I think. And I was trying to get him to back up and, and he wouldn't back up and he w- wouldn't let me put a halter type thing on him. He just was being really cantankerous. And those are the times when Satan goes, tempts me, said, you could use this word. <laughs> and you have to rebuke him and say, no, don't do that. <laughs> okay? But that's what was kind of going on here. And all of a sudden, this donkey saw the angel but wouldn't have anything to do with it, Right? They, the donkey knew better. Finally, Balaam's eyes are opened and he sees the angel as well. So we see other opportunities as well to, to see and experience that. One of the stories that was related that I want to share with you that gives you this picture and, and actually helps us to understand that the angels are out there protecting us whether we see them or not. Okay? A somewhat modern yet similar story is told of Doug Connolly in his book Angels Around Us. In the early 1950s, a missionary group in Kenya learned of an imminent attack on their mission by the Mau Mau warriors. To defend, to defend their families as well as they could, the men put up barbed wire, barricaded, and turned on a few floodlights. With what few weapons they had, they stood guard among, along the mission's perimeter while their wives and their children prayed inside. They waited, but no attack came. Months later, a converted Mau Mau tribesman explained that just as he and his fellow warriors prepared to attack the mission from all sides, large, fiery figures appeared from out of the night. They stood between the Mau Mau and the missionaries, racing in a circle around the barricade. Frightened by the sight of these creatures, the Mau Mau fled. The missionaries may not have seen them, Connolly writes, but God opened the warrior's eyes to what normally would have been invisible, his band of holy angels. So they're out there. In 2 Kings chapter 6 is the experience of Elisha and his servant. You remember, his servant was all upset. They're, the, the army's massed out there. They're going to come and they're going to wipe us out. And Elisha said, God has said he'd protect us. Don't you see the 
chariots and the host. And he didn't. So Elisha prayed. And the servant's eyes were opened and he recognized the protection that was there for them. All right, any questions so far? I know for certain we're not going to get through all of this today. (laughs) All right. They also are represented sometimes in the sound. Let's take a look at 2 Samuel. Second Samuel chapter 5. Verses 22 through 25. Someone there would like to read it? Okay, so who do you think was marching the marching sound in the tops of the trees? Well, it wasn't the men, was it? <laughs> it wasn't warriors. We don't get to, I mean, I've climbed a few trees in my day, but I never marched in the tops of the trees. It was the angels, right? And the sound of them were coming forth through the marching in the trees. Revelation chapter 10. Okay, this is describing a mighty angel with a little book. And look at verse 3. It says, And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And he cried out. Seven thunders uttered their voices. I may holler once in a while, but I don't holler like that. Right? It was an angel that was, who was speaking loud and it was, it was coming forth in, in the sound that, that was represented by them. So sometimes in scripture, we see the angels in the sound. All right, let's see if we can get through likeness to men and unlikeness to men before we get done today, okay? The ways that angels are like men is that they typically have a male gender, in Genesis 18, 1 and 2. Someone want to look at that one? And someone else be moving to Zechariah 5, 9 for me. So first Genesis 18. Okay. We've seen this representation before, right? This is Abraham, isn't it? And he sees three men. Okay? We also saw the same thing that Lot saw. There's many other places that we can see that generally angels are given a male gender, if it's given at all. Okay? There is one possible exception that I could find. In Zechariah chapter 5, verse 9. Let me see if I can explain this to you when we get through it, okay? We better start at the beginning of the chapter in order to get the context. 
Then I turned and raised my eyes and saw there a flying scroll. And he said to me, what do you see? So I answered, and I, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits, and its width is 10 cubits. And then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth. Every thief shall be expelled according to this side of the scroll. And every perjurer shall be expelled according to it. Verse 4, I will send out the curse, he says, the Lord of hosts. It shall enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name. It shall remain in the midst of his house and consume it with its timber and stones. Starting in verse 5, then the angel who talked with me came out and he said to me, lift your eyes now and see this that goes forth. So I asked, what is it? And he said, it is a basket that is going forth. He also said, this is their remembrance, this, their resemblance throughout the earth. Here is a lead, lead disc lifted up, and this is a woman sitting inside the basket. Then he said, this is wickedness. And he thrust her down into the basket and threw the lead cover over its mouth. So we see wickedness, a representation of wickedness as a woman in this basket with a lead covering over it, right? Here's where I want you to focus in on verse 9. Then I raised my eyes and looked, and there were two women coming with the wind in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork. And they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven. And so I said to the angel who talked with me, Where are they carrying the basket? And he said to me, To build a house for it in the land of Shinar. When it it is ready, the basket will be set there on its base. Okay, so what do we see? Wickedness in the basket and two women angels come to carry the basket away. This is a picture of or a representation of wickedness being set forth for future judgment. And my understanding, and again, I'm not going to be terribly dogmatic about this, is that those women were angels, fallen angels, assigned to take the basket of wickedness to a place for future judgment. So there is the one possible exception that we find in Scripture to angels being given gender of male. Now, there's a lot of times they're not giving any gender specific in, in, a, in that sense. But there you have it. Any questions or comments on that one? Yeah, Trudy. A lot of people do. But this is the only place in Scripture that I see the possibility that they are mentioned as a female gender. But see, that's one of those things that we talked about last week when we talked about the idea that sometimes our understanding is shaped by things other than Scripture. 
And so we have to be aware of that and careful of that. That was one of the things that I saw on, on all the angel statues. Almost everywhere you see, they're, they're female, right? And that's probably somewhat designed because women are such special creatures, right, guys? But we don't see it in Scripture where they're really given that um, gender. Go ahead, Kathy. <laughs> you certainly want you want, surely want those Michaels and those like that to fighting for me absolutely and we're going to see that angels have a lot more to do than just fight for us but you're right that's a that's a wonderful comment okay this is Loretta I I perceive that I think they were fallen angels that were sent to take this basket, this representation of wickedness, back to a point where it will be for future judgment. Now, I'm not going to be terribly dogmatic about that one either, but I think there's, there's, that, that in my mind makes sense. Okay? Right. It was between. Right. And, and that's going to come important to us later in this study as well. Yes, Kathy. Mm-hmm. And storks were unclean birds. You're right. Thank you. Thank you for filling that in. I, I knew that, and it just kind of it flew out of my mind. <laughs> okay alright we're going to have to close this here because we're just running out of time and I apologize for that um, we are I, I will mark this and we'll try and take up from there and, and see if we can condense it a little bit more somehow or something but we're going to see some others you know angels are immortal so are men right our soul's going to live forever somewhere better know where it is we're going to see that they have personality that they are servants like us they have personalities somewhat similar to ours and then we're going to explore why they're not like men all right so shall we pray father god we thank you for your word to us and and father just the opportunity and the privilege of being able to study it and and read and and talk to each other and and just thank you for men who who have studied this in depth and and can guide us as well through books and and other ways but father we lean on your spirit to our understanding and so father continue to teach us through this time we pray that you go before us into the worship time in jesus name amen all right more to come